1: I don't know if you've ever traveled internationally, but it is good when you're traveling internationally to hear someone speaking English. Isn't it the truth? I remember I was in the airport in Vishakapatnam, India. Yeah, I'm speaking in tongues. Vishakapatnam, India. I'm in the airport and I'm trying to order Toast. I'm thinking I'm in India, I'm trying to order toast, toast is safe, I can eat that. You know what I mean? I gotta eat that. So I'm, I'm trying to order toast, and the server comes up, I'm in the airport, the server comes up to me and he says, he says uh, his English was really broken, and I'm just like, well, you know, I'm, i like to order toast. And he's not getting it, and he's not, you know, understanding me, so I'm just like, I'm doing the best I can here. I'm like, I want to order some toast. <laughs> and the guy, he's still not getting it. So, you know, this guy's looking, he's sitting over at the table over here and, and he's looking at me and I look over at him and I'm frustrated because I can't get my toast. And I'm, I am look over at him and I, I said, uh, do you, you speak English? I'm like, English, anything English? And he looks and he goes, yo man, you trying to order some toast? I'm like, where you been all my life, man? I said, yeah, I'm trying to order toast. But it was so good to hear him speak English. It is really good when somebody speaks your language, which reminds me of a story. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. There's a story, listen. There's a story of a man who, who bought a donkey from a preacher. And the preacher told the man that this donkey had been trained in a very unique way, being the donkey of a preacher. And the only way to make the donkey go was to say, hallelujah. Well, the only way to make the donkey stop was to say, amen. Well, the man was pleased with his purchase, and immediately he got on the animal and to try out the preacher's instructions. Hallelujah, the man shouted. Well, the donkey began to trot. Amen, shouted the man. Well, the donkey stopped immediately. Well, this is great, said the man. With a hallelujah, he rode off very proud of his new purchase. Well, the man traveled for a long time through some mountains, and soon he was headed toward a cliff. Well, he could not remember the word to make the donkey stop. And so he yelled, stop, said the man. Halt, he cried. Well, the donkey kept going. Oh, no, Bible, church. Please stop, shouted the man. Well, the donkey began to trot faster. He was getting closer and closer to the cliff's edge. Well, finally, in desperation, the man said a prayer. He said, please, dear Lord, please make this donkey stop before I go off the end of the cliff. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the donkey came to an abrupt stop just one step from the edge of the cliff. Well, the man said, shoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't even know why I told that story. It has nothing to do with what I was saying. So Paul, I don't know why it does. So Paul's speaking in the Hebrew language and, and notice in your Bibles in verse two, look, look at verse two. I'm, I'm so out of time. I don't even know what I'm doing. Lord help. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at verse 2. Paul's speaking in the Hebrew language, and, and, and I want you to notice, and, and, and they kept all the more silent. He's speaking in Hebrew. Saints, let me just tell you this really, really quickly here. He's speaking in Hebrew in a language they could understand so that he could win their hearts. Christians, listen. When you're talking to non believers or even new believers, be careful about using Christian ease. Because Christians, we got our own language too. I mean, we got our own language. I mean, half the time you can talk to Christians, you have no idea what they're talking about. And you're talking to a new believer and you might say something like this. Well, you know, if you give your heart to God, and he'll wash you in the blood and he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and you will be on fire for God and it will blow your mind. You know how that sounds to a non-believer? He's like, What? I don't know if I want to be washed in anybody's blood. That's gross. And I certainly don't want to be on fire. We got to watch what we're saying. We got to make sure that our speech and our language is relevant, not compromising the gospel so that people can understand and their hearts can be won to Christ. If you understand that, say amen, saints. That's very, very important. So, Paul begins, notice in our text, he begins by giving them the apologetics. And you want to notice this here. Note this. What was Paul's apologetic? It was his testimony. Did you see that? He doesn't present an airtight case of Old Testament prophecy, he doesn't argue the types and the parallels of Scripture. He doesn't try to be the Bible answer man. He simply shares his testimony. He simply shares what God has done in his life. Saints, listen to me close. Your testimony is the most powerful witnessing tool you have. Wait a minute, Rodney. What about the gospel? Oh, I mean no disrespect. The gospel is a power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. Amen, saints. I mean no disrespect, but your testimony is powerful. Why? Because it's the one subject that you are an expert on. Amen. You don't know that much. Just trying to build you up, my people. But... On the subject of your testimony and what has happened to your life and how God has changed your life, your testimony is the most powerful piece of witnessing tool that you have. Don't you remember the story is the Pharisees came to the blind man who had been made to see by Jesus. And they came to me like, what about this? Or well, what about that? Or what about your mom? Or what about your dad or your family tree? And all these questions they're posing to the blind man. And the blind man said, look, hold it, fellas, partners, hold on. He said, I don't know anything about that. I don't know all about that. He says, but all I know is I once was, what did he say? I once was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. Yeah, I don't know all about all that stuff. I don't have you know, all of that the theology and logic, philosophy. I don't get it. He says, well, I do know that I once was blind, but now I see. Every single Christian can say that. Amen, saints. I don't know about you, but January 22nd, 1982, Rodney was blind. January 23rd, 1982, now I see. God changed my life. And that's your apologetics. That's your testimony. That you know God, that he has changed your life. Because listen, you can theologically, philosophically, or socially argue the validity Of scripture, you can argue, but you cannot argue with a changed life. You can't you can't argue with me if I tell you, listen, I used to be this way. I used to do drugs. I used to hang out in places that I shouldn't be. I used to go places and do things, awful, ugly, evil things that I should not have done. But I want to tell you that God came into my life and changed my life. And here it is a year later. And look at me now. I'm different. You can't argue with that. Amen. That's unarguable. So your testimony is so very, very, very important. Paul begins this testimony. Notice in your Bibles in verse three, Paul says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus. He begins his testimony. He says, I was brought up in Jerusalem. I was tutored. Note this, saints. Would you look at it again in verse three? I was tutored. By Gamaliel. Now listen, give me your attention. When these Jewish people heard the name Gamaliel, they said, Gamaliel? Oive? <laughs> Gamaliel? Why? Because Gamaliel was one of the most respected teachers of this era. The Jewish people felt and taught that Gamaliel was the glory of the Torah. So when Paul says he Paul's name dropping here because he wants to win their hearts. So he says, I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel had his own Bible school. There was a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Don't you remember in John chapter three, Nicodemus, Nick, who came to Jesus that night, Nick at night, (laughs) Nick was an instructor in the school of Gamaliel So he was a respected teacher. So when Paul says, listen, I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. I learned from Gamaliel. He goes on to say that I was zealous for the things of God, just like you guys. And I persecuted the way even unto death. I was binding and delivering men and women and children and throwing them in prison. Paul says, listen, I understand why you've attacked me because I was once an attacker. Also, I understand where you're coming from. Paul says, listen, I, 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 I was like you guys. I hated the church. I hated Jesus. I hated anything that had to do with Christianity. And I did everything I could to destroy it. Paul looks at this council of Jews and he says, it's from you guys that I got the warrant to go to Damascus to arrest these Christians. I got the permission from you. And when I got the letter or the warrant from you to go to Damascus, to take the Christians and to bind them, put them in prison. He says, while I was on the road to Damascus, Paul says, to go and kill the way I was angry and breathing out threatenings like a war horse. And I'm on my way to kill those Christians. He says, a light shone from heaven and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Note this watch. Why are you persecuting me? Notice he didn't hear the voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, persecuting them Christian folks? Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why? Because listen, the Savior has a connection with the saints. Amen. The shepherd has a unity with the sheep. Amen. And when someone is persecuting you, you listen close. When someone's persecuting you for righteousness sake, underline bold highlight for righteousness sake, they are not persecuting you. They're persecuting Jesus. Jesus said, listen, if they hated me, don't you know that they're going to hate you as well? So Jesus said to, to Saul, he says, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Paul said, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You're persecuting me. And those who were with Saul, the Bible tells us they saw the light, but they couldn't make out what was being said. Saints, I want you to look at again in verse 10. Paul then said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said, here's the plan. Paul Saul, I want you to get up and go to Damascus and it's in Damascus that it will be told to you the next thing to do, verse 10. Did you notice that? Saul said, God, what's the plan? God said, here's the plan, Paul, one step. I want you to go to Damascus and then I'll tell you the next thing to do. Remember we talked about it some time ago, progressive revelation. Remember we used that phrase? In other words, God, saints, listen, God will tell you to take the first step, and he will not give you the second step until you take the first step. Somebody say amen, would you? God does not operate on the five-year plan. Now somebody say amen. You understand that. See, we want the five-year plan. We want step one, two, three, four, five, all the way through 50. And the reason why we want all the steps is because we want to use that information to determine whether we want to take the first step or not. That's all right. (laughs) And God says, no, 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 I'm not giving you the five-year plan. God doesn't work on the five-year plan. He works on the one-step plan. God will tell you the first step to take and then he expects you to take that step and then he'll tell you the next step to take. You know, my story is Elvira and I were planning to come to the Raleigh area. Don't you remember? God just told me and showed me in a vision that I was moving east and that we were coming to Raleigh. God did not tell me that that he was going to do all of this. God did not tell me that he was going to do with my life and with Elvira's life What he has done in this church. And I am blown away every Sunday, every Wednesday, every service. As I see one service empty, Tommy, and another one fills up. And sometime when I get in the pulpit and, I, and I'm and i crying, I'm choked up, I can't talk, I'm a mess, it's only because I'm looking out at what God has done. And all of what God has done began with the first step. Listen, if we had a told God, look, I ain't going to Raleigh because I don't know them folk down there. Which, by the way, did cross my mind. I'm just purging right now. <laughs> It did cross, but God has done awesome, awesome things here at Calvary Chapel and all of it began with the first step. And here's the thing. I don't know what God's doing tomorrow. You know, we need a new church building, man. Praise God. Look at third service. First service is near full. Second service is nuts. Don't even come to second service here. <laughs> don't come to second service. And third service, look, and and, and we, we don't know. I mean, we, we got to make some decisions. We got to have something. God knows what we need, but we're still walking by faith, still trusting God. We were trusting God when we showed up. People say to us, well, didn't y'all receive some money from Calvary Chapel and Costa Mecca? I mean, Mesa. And then, you know, didn't y'all, when y'all came here, Pastor Ryan, didn't y'all get money and they, they helped plant the church and all that? I'm like, no. Nobody gave us no money. When we got here, we were... Po. I didn't say poor. I said po. We were so broke we couldn't afford the other O R. And then that's when you're broke. You're so broke you can't pay attention. We were just po. We didn't, we have nothing. I remember when I was telling them first, we I opened up the first church checking account. And I went to the bank, and uh, I said, well, yeah, i like to open up a church checking account. And um, I'm the pastor from Calvary Chapel, and i like to open up a church checking account. And I said, I'd like to deposit uh, a <laughs> 25. And he said, oh, well, yes, sir, yes, sir, $25,000, 25. Uh, 25. I said, no, $25. I ain't got no money. What you talking about? Sue.'" Man, just trusting. (laughs) It's a true story. And and I'm just like trusting the Lord and just walking by faith and trusting the Lord. And God's going to give us the next step as we take the step. It made me think of the movie Indiana Jones, which is a classic. And you remember the the part where, um, man, I I, I love that movie so much. I... What happened in that scene anyway it was one of, the, he was doing something and I'll never forget it. And he was uh, <laughs> was so impacting in my life because he was stepping out on faith. I remember that part. And when he was somebody, yeah, he was stepping out. And when he stepped out, there, there was this walkway thing there and And he needed to step he needed to take the step to go get the Holy grail, and he couldn't get the Holy grail unless he took that step, right tommy a uh, faith that's right, you want to come finish my preaching because i I don't know where I'm going here and uh yeah that's right and and look at verse fourteen <laughs> so look look at it in your Bible, so God said. Oh, I'm coming in for a landing. Listen, God said, Paul, go into the city. And when you get into the city, further instructions will be forthcoming. And while in the city, Ananias came to Saul and said, did you know this? He said, Saul, receive your sight. And it was at that time that he received his sight. And then Ananias told him, "Say, God has chosen you. Notice three things, Saul. God has chosen you to know his will, to see the just one and to hear his voice. And by the way, Christian, verse 14, is a great capsule of the duty of all believers before God to know his will, to see the just one, that's Jesus, and to hear his voice. That's God's word. Amen, saints. And then notice in verse 16, Ananias said to Paul, you need to be baptized to wash away your sins. Now, listen, some people listen to me close. I'm trying to speed up. Some people use this verse and they say, well, see, you got to be baptized in verse 16 to wash away your sin because baptism saves and they'll take you to this verse. Nope, that's not right. Baptism does not save anyone. Baptism does not wash you from your sins Does not forgive you of your sins. Remember, baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. The outward sign is you are baptized. The inward reality is you've accepted Christ already as your Lord and Savior. Remember Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the road to Damascus and he receives Christ while on the road to Damascus. Later on, Ananias comes to him and says, Saul, you need to be baptized. So Saul needed Paul needed to be baptized because he had not been baptized to have that public display of this outward sign of the inward reality. Remember, in the Bible, they did not have what we call altar calls. They didn't have that. In those days, they had baptism. If you became a Christian, then you were publicly baptized. Well, nowadays, if you become a Christian, you publicly come down the aisle and everybody sees you and and rejoices with you. But in the Bible, they didn't do that. They were baptized. And so baptism saves no one. It's an outward sign of something that has already taken place in your heart. Paul was already a Christian. And then notice as I close in verse 17. Paul says, listen, when I was in the temple praying. In verse 17 through 20, 21. When I was in the temple praying, caught up in a trance. Jesus said, get out of town. They're going to kill you. And did you notice that? See that Saul, Paul is arguing with the Lord and he says, Lord, you know, hey, listen, you know that that I beat those who believed on you. And he says, and then I think about Stephen, the first martyr of the church, as I was standing there consenting, giving thumbs up to his death and I was holding their coats and Jesus. They know that I hate you. Paul is arguing with God. Saints, let me tell you just two things about arguing with God. Is this deep? And this is theological. Okay, get this. Arguing with God. Number one, you want to write this down. You don't want to miss it. Number one, arguing with God. You need to know this. You're wrong. That was heavy, man. That was Number two, you'll lose. <laughs> Amen, saints? How true is that? You know, you might go two rounds, but you're going to lose. Can't argue with God. And notice God doesn't argue with him. In verse 21, then he, God said to Paul, depart. I like that. God doesn't dignify Paul with arguing back with him and, you know, hey, you know, I'm God and I know all this stuff. And, and Paul, well, what did you think about this part? He, God doesn't do that. When you argue with God, God's ways are right and your ways are wrong. And God says, depart, just go. And Saul, will find out next week, As he continues his testimony before the council, we'll find out. But you know, somebody once said, men may never read the Bible, but they will read your life from cover to cover. And saints, that is very, very true. Uh, You can talk about the Lord. You can talk about being a Christian, but people are watching your life and rightly so. And we are witnesses, whether we like it or not. The question is whether you're a good witness or a bad one, but we all are witnesses. What type of reading is your life? Listen at this. Is it fiction where your Christian life is just imaginary? Is it history where everything you've done is in the past tense? Is it an autobiography your life as a Christian where your Christian life is really just about you? Is it a comedy where your Christian life is just a joke? Is it a drama? Where your Christian life is just a succession of dramatic events? Or is it a love story truly acted out where the world is your stage and God is your audience? I like that. Or is it a bestseller? Don't let Satan seduce you into a corner and tell you that you shouldn't witness, you shouldn't testify. Oh, after all, I mean, religion and politics, we just don't talk about those things. No, what they really mean is Christianity and politics we don't talk about. You can talk about religion and spiritual things all you want. You can go up to the highest mountain and cross your legs and sit in a lotus position and study your navel. (laughs) And come down and say, oh, I just had the best experience. Wow, my navel. Spiritual. And be wow. Well, tell me more. But you start talking about Jesus, you start talking about Christianity, and it's like, oh wait, a minute, wait, 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 wait. We don't talk about that. <cartizza> well, Christianity, you know, we don't talk about those kinds of things. Don't let Satan seduce you. I was telling them at the Calvary Chapel in Miami. I tell you today, don't let Satan back in the corner and tell you your testimony is not important. Your testimony is important. Ronnie, I wasn't on drugs and did all the bad stuff that everybody else did. Do I have a testimony? All I did was go to church all my life. I was a Jesus boy all my life and grew up as a Jesus man. Do I have a testimony? You dug on right, you do. It is a testimony to walk with God all your life. You have a testimony. Even if you don't know Christ this morning, you have a testimony of the mercy and the grace of God on your life because you're still here even if you don't know God. Your testimony is, I don't even know God and He's showing me grace. Say amen, saints, would you?
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times,